encourage you, if you've got a Bible with you or if there's a Bible in the pew in front of you, uh, you can go ahead and grab one of those and open it up to 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 5. We're going to pick up 16. Uh, just want to give a word to you really quickly. Normally, we would dismiss our kids to go upstairs for their own worship time. We're going to keep everybody in here today. Uh, but if you do happen to have need of a nursery for some reason, if, a, if you've got a child that just is struggling, uh, then uh, there is a nursery available. My wife is down here on the front, and she'd be happy to go up with your child and uh, hang out with you or show you where the nursery is, uh, and uh, that you're good to go. But we do want to let you know as well, there is nothing more beautiful to me than the sound of children in a worship service. Um, and so if that's going to bother you, um, then we might have uh, some other things to take care of. But man, we welcome kids here. Uh, and families, and so we're so glad that you have chosen to be here, and uh, we're going to jump right in this morning. Uh, man, Thanksgiving this week, um, I've got a lot to be thankful for this morning. Um, I'm a Carolina fan, uh, and so that's right, spurs up. Um, so uh, I know that we've got a few of y'all in here uh, that are Carolina fans, and we've got a few Clemson fans that might... Oh, no. See, you're not, you're not supposed to cheer for that side. Um, so, no, man, last night, holy... Carolina uh, just had a, an amazing game, and so I am grateful uh, for at least a winning season and a big win against a ranked team. Uh, I'm thankful for that. I am thankful because tonight uh, the World Cup starts. Yeah, yeah. Any World Cup fans? All right. Um, guys, I, I told our youth on, on we've got a, our youth group meets at 630, and um, the, the, the majority of that group is coming from our Spanish service time. And I told them on Wednesday night, and I told my wife when I got home, I said, I'm excited because for the first time in a long time, I have people that will talk to me about the World Cup. Uh, and so I'm just excited about that. Uh, grateful for an opportunity to talk about a sport that I used to play and love. Don't play it anymore. Can't. Uh, I'm too, uh, too old and too overweight for that. But uh, grateful for the opportunity to talk to people about it. Uh, outside of that, man, we've got so many more things to be grateful for. I am grateful for every single one of you uh, for being here this morning and being a part of this worship service. Man, I am grateful for our children and our children's volunteers uh, who have put together just a great time with our children on Wednesday nights and then practicing this song and being ready for today. Um, I am grateful to see our pews fill up again um, and just see family and friends uh, in, a, in a place where we can worship together the meal that we're going to get to share uh, after the service today. And so uh, if you don't have plans for lunch, plan to stick around, and we're going to walk over to the gym as soon as I get done talking, uh, and we're going to share a meal together, and I'm grateful for that time. But this morning, outside of all of those things that I'm grateful for, I wanted to talk about believer's gratitude, a uh, believer's gratitude, what we have to be truly thankful for. Because I can be thankful for a football win, and I was. Uh, my wife had to come in the room several times last night as I was cheering for Carolina. Zeke was already long gone in the bed asleep, and she had to come in there several times and be like, you're being too loud. You're going to wake him up. Um, and so I had to calm down. I was getting too excited. And just as excited as I am for my football team, there are some things within my Christian walk that should get me just as motivated, just as excited, and just as grateful, and really more so than what a football team or a sport uh, or even, even a gathering together uh, should do for me. And so 
morning, I want to evaluate a passage of Scripture that really gives us a few things this morning that we as believers can be grateful for. And so look with me at 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 5, picking up verse 16. It reads a little something like this. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. As Antonio so eloquently put it, the old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Our closet has been cleaned. All this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us, we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Working together with him then, we appeal to you not to receive the grace of God in vain, for he says, in a favorable time I listened to you, and in a day of salvation I helped you. Behold, now is the favorable time. Behold, now the day of salvation. Let's pray together over the reading of God's word. God, we are thankful this morning for your word. We are thankful for how, Father, it instructs and teaches us. God, we are thankful for the fact that it has been preserved over the course of many years, Father, to bring it to us today so that we can open it, we can study it, we can learn from its pages. God, we are thankful for a country, Father, that we live in where we are still free to do so without fear uh, and without any kind of restraint. And God, we pray that this morning as we study your word, you would open it up to us in new and fresh ways, God, and we would experience your word, that we would know it, that we would bury it deep into our hearts, Father, that we would uh, come to life in you and who you're calling us to be. And God, we will praise you for all that you do. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. I was uh, studying a little bit about gratitude uh, this week, a little bit about thankfulness, and uh, man, I was kind of blown away by a few statistics. I, I want to talk to you a little bit uh, before we jump into this passage too deep uh, about the opposite side of gratitude. I, I want to talk for just a second about uh, the, the negative side of this thing and, and what gratitude really solves for us in our lives. Uh, did you know that there has been a study that has been done uh, that tells us uh, that for every one negative thought or experience that we have in life, it takes three positive thoughts or experiences to overcome that. So in other words, if you woke up today and you looked in the mirror and the first thought was, man, I'm fat. <laughs> that was me. All right. If that was your first thought about yourself this morning, it would take three positive thoughts or experiences later in your day to overcome the negative impact of that thought in your life, that first thought. 
Did you know that they uh, tested this uh, with patients uh, at a hospital? They, they uh, took a group of people who were about to receive a diagnosis about what they were dealing with, what sickness or ailment they had, and doctors men and they decided, hey, we're going we're gonna to test with a group of you, and, and to a portion of you, we're going to tell you the upside of the procedure that you could have. So in other words, we're going we're gonna to do this surgery, and, and we're going to take half of you, and we're going to tell you about the good outcome of that surgery. In, in fact, this particular procedure had a 70% success rate to the illness that these people were dealing with. And so they would come into the room with half of these people and they would say, hey, you've got a 70% chance that this thing is gonna knock out whatever you're dealing with and you're gonna be just as healthy as you've ever been by the time we get done. And those people experienced a positive reaction to the surgery and were likely to elect to have this procedure done. They took a different group of people with the same ailment and the same procedure. But instead of presenting it as a 70% success rate, they went to them and they said, hey, by the way, uh, we just want you to know there's a 30% chance that this doesn't turn out well for you, that this procedure won't work. What they found was the people who were presented with the negative side were much less likely to elect to have that procedure done. To make it worse, They went back to the group that they had given the 70% statistic to, and they said to them, hey, uh, by the way, now that you've already elected to take the surgery, we should probably tell you the other side of this too and and see if that affects you at all. And so they said, you know, there's a 70% chance that it's going to work, but there's this 30% chance over here that it won't. And what they found was that as soon as they presented the negative side, the same people who had chosen to take the procedure rejected it because of fear of the 30%. Then they thought, let's test it the other way. Went back to the people who were told 30%, the negative side, and they said, hey, by the way, uh, you've been given this 30% chance of it not working. Let's give you some hope. There's a 70% chance that this will work. And you know what they found? Those same people still rejected the procedure. In other words, the negative thought that had been implanted in them first was too powerful for them to overcome the positive thought. And for the positive people who are already given a positive thought, the negative still overpowered the positive for them. See, negativity negativity and negative thoughts and negative pieces for us really drive us down this really dark path. It's really powerful in our lives. And so if we think about that in terms of that percentage, that, that one thought of negativity has to be overcome with three thoughts of positive, man. It really takes work on the behalf of a believer to stay in such a negative world and proclaim hope. It really is a challenge, and it's no wonder that as a group of believers, as a church body, proclaiming the good news of Jesus is difficult because when we go into the world and we begin to teach people about the hope of Jesus, they have already been buried under a mountain of negativity. They've already been buried under a mountain of there's no hope for you. They've already been buried under a mountain of statistics that they can't succeed. And so for us as believers, when we present the hope of the gospel, man, it shouldn't surprise us that we we have difficulty communicating that to people. 
It shouldn't surprise us that we have difficulty getting people to buy into that and to find hope and joy at the cross because we are having to overcome so much negativity in this world. By the way, side note, there was a second test that was done using social media. The, uh, the creators of Facebook ran a, uh, a test back in 2013 where they filtered the news feeds, and some of y'all won't have a clue what that means, but for the ones in the room who do, they filtered your news feed to show only negative posts. And they watched to see the results of what your language looked like on Facebook moving forward. And what they found was that for the people that they filtered and only showed negative posts to, their language began to shift in their posts moving forward. Their, their posts became much more negative. Then they filtered a separate group and they filtered positive posts into their news feed. And what they saw was that more and more positivity began to come out of those same people. We are influenced greatly by the thoughts and the things that we see and the things that we listen to. And that negativity can drive us to a place of a lack of hope and a lack of joy. And so this morning, I want to counteract some of that with you this morning. This morning, what I hope to do with you is to create such a picture of hope and gratitude that, man, we just see this thing just take fire and, and, and uh, transform our hearts and our minds, and that all that mountain of negative thoughts that has been piled on us this week through work and family and social media and games and TV and influencers, that all of that will be pushed to the side at the foot of the cross and that we will find hope and joy and thanksgiving again. So let's look at our passage this morning. Paul is writing to the church at Corinth. And he writes to them about the hope that he finds in Jesus. And he says to them back in verse 16, he says, From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though uh, we once regarded Christ according to the flesh. We regard him thus no longer. This verse, this opening verse, just speaks to the fact that Jesus was alive, uh, but he was buried and he rose from the dead, uh, and that now he is not considered in the flesh but through the Spirit. I want to move past that, though. Let's look at verse 17. He says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. The new has come. This morning, the first piece of positivity I want to place into your heart and your mind this morning, the first thing that we as believers have to be grateful for this morning is that the God of creation still creates new things. And here's what I want you to hear out of that. Man, there's a lot of theologians and, and, and philosophers and guys who will study Scripture, and they will tell you that there were six days of creation, and on the seventh day, God rested, and then God the Father, who was in charge of all creation, took his seat on the throne, and all creation stopped at that point, and what is in the world is in the world. And I disagree with that statement simply because of this verse that we have just read, that the God who created the universe creates new things every single day inside of us. That the God who sees us and knows us, who knows our thoughts, in our feelings. He knows every circumstance and every situation we've ever faced. That God says to us that when we come to him, we can find new life, that we can become a new creation in him. 
Guys, this is so incredibly powerful because there are many of us who walked into this room today buried under that mountain of lack of joy, under that mountain of negativity in our lives, and we look at ourselves and we go, how could a God ever love a person like me? How could God ever see through the mess of decisions I've made? How can God ever look through the the mess that I've made of my family or, or the mess that my family has just become? Or how can God see past the choices that I've made and still love me? And the God of the universe says, I love you because I can create in you anything I desire. We can start fresh. I love David uh, as, a, as a, just a, a person in Scripture because David, I can relate well to him just in his thought process and where he's at in life. David experiences just a lot of deep emotions uh, because of some decisions that he made in his life. Uh, sin with Bathsheba and, and really even going and living with the Philistines who were uh, his enemy and fighting alongside of them against the Israelites. And just David just made a mess of his life at one point. And yet David, as he goes to God, it says uh, in 2 Samuel, it says that he strengthened himself, First Samuel rather, says he strengthened himself in the Lord. I preached this message last week to our casual service that he strengthened himself in the Lord and he, he put on an afad, which is a prayer garment, and he, he worshiped and he inquired of the Lord. He asked God what to do. And as he did those things, God restored all of this stuff in David's life that he had lost. And then David writes Psalm 5110, one of my favorite passages of Scripture. I quote it often. uh, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. David, who has just trashed his life, writes this verse to God and he says, create, create. Don't transform. Don't, don't just tweak it a little bit. Don't, don't just manipulate it. But God, create in me a clean heart. Let's start from scratch. It is a blank slate. It is brand new. It has not been tainted by our past, but it is something that is fresh and new every morning. And what I love about this passage in the New Testament is that Paul pulls that back out and he says to us, hey, listen, if you're a believer in Christ, your old life is in the past. You don't have to face that anymore. You are a new creation. I love the imagery of baptism as well. As we take people through these waters, there's some phrasing I usually use as I baptize people. I'll always say, uh, I'll ask them a couple questions. I'll say, hey, have you come to a place in your life where you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Yes, I have. Great, and are you willing to follow through with believer's baptism as a testimony of the work that God is doing in your life? Yes, I am. And then I always say these words, then it's my pleasure, my brother or sister, to baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, buried in the likeness of his death. The old is passed away. Raised to walk in newness of life. You're a new creation. This morning, if you woke up, and you walked into this room today with burdens and worries and fears, I want to encourage you this morning that the one thing that you can be grateful for today, if nothing else, is that God has created something new in you. But he continues. He says, the old has passed away, and uh, behold, the new has come. And then in verse 18, he says this. He says, all this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. 
Something that we have to be grateful for is not just that God created something new in us, but that God reconciled himself to us or reconciled us to himself is really the right way to say that. God did not stop at just let me wash you clean. But God continued to let me adopt you into my kingdom. We can be grateful this morning that we don't live uh, solo lives where God is distant and, and, and aloof from us, where God is not near us. We don't worship a God who created and stepped away, but we worship a God who created and stayed, a God who desires to have a relationship with us, a God who desires to be in our lives, a God who desires to know us and to love us, and he created a way through his son Jesus Christ for that to happen. He came as a man. He lived 33 years on this earth perfectly. He went to a cross and he died that we would have a path back to God. Guys, there is nothing more joyful to me than knowing that God created a way for me to have a relationship with him even when I did not deserve it. That is enough for me to wake up and say, God, thank you for what you've done. God, thank you for how you've created this in my life. God, thank you for not just leaving me here in this world as a new creation just to figure it out, but God, you walk with me daily. You, you walk that path with me. You're involved in my life. You desire to have a relationship with me, and you have restored what was lost by my own sin and choice. And I wake up every day grateful for the opportunity that I have to be able to follow the God who spoke a universe into existence. That I have been reconciled and restored to him. If I find nothing else to be thankful for this morning, that is enough to overcome anything I have faced this week. But he doesn't stop there either. He continues on. He says in verse 18 again, all this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. And then listen to verse 20. Therefore, we are ambassadors of Christ. Now, Paul is speaking of himself in this passage as he has traveled to Corinth and he has planted this church and he has gone on to other cities to do the same and he writes this letter back to them and he says, hey, we were ambassadors to you, but he doesn't leave it at that. He really, through the context of this passage, teaches them that they are also an ambassador. And so I want you to hear this morning that we can not only be grateful that we are a new creation, we can not only be grateful that God desires a relationship with us through reconciliation, through the blood of Jesus, but we can be grateful this morning for a new purpose in life. God desires for us to be involved and engaged in his mission of telling others about the good news of Jesus Christ. You are an ambassador of God. God not only desired a relationship with you, but he desired and planned a purpose for you. See, our job in this world is not just to wander aimlessly through life. Our job in this world is not just simply to survive. Our job is not to accumulate things and possessions 
and to retire healthy, wealthy, and wise. But our job is to be a representation of who God is to the people around us. We are to be ambassadors for Christ. And so this morning, I find that challenge in myself. I, I think about my week this week and how I spent my time and the things that I did and, and whether or not I proclaimed Jesus or whether or not I lived a life that represented him well. And I have to question myself a lot and examine my life and my words and my, my choices and wonder, did I represent God well this week? Was I a true ambassador of God to the people around me? The most difficult place for this in my own life is any time I have to drive a vehicle. I'm not a very good ambassador for Christ when it comes to driving a car. If you've ever had to ride with me, I apologize. My wife has to deal with this all the time. But people in traffic drive me crazy. Um, and by the way, if you're one of those people who likes to merge late after you've already seen the sign that the lane was going to close two miles back and you waited until the last second, I can guarantee you if you come up on me, you're not getting into my lane. Okay? It's not happening. I'm blocking you, and I don't care what I got to do to make it happen. All right? I will risk life and limb to keep you in the lane that you chose, all right? So good luck with that, okay? I'm not a very good ambassador for Christ. That's why if you look at my van outside, there's no bumper stickers for Jesus, all right? Um, there's no Jesus fish on the back of my car because when I'm driving, I don't know that I necessarily want people to know that I'm a Christian, much less a pastor, okay? <clears throat> so I struggle in that area to be an ambassador for Christ. I do. I get angry, I get agitated, words fly that probably shouldn't, driving skills come out that, uh, man, just would make the, the, the best NASCAR driver jealous. Like, it's just, it's bad. But I wonder in other areas of my life how I represent Jesus to the people around me. Have I been an ambassador for Christ? We get that choice every day. We wake up as a new creation. We are reconciled to Jesus through this relationship, and now he calls us to declare his name to others. And I wonder how good of a job we do. I wonder how good of a job I do now. As I read Paul's writings and I think about Paul's life and the things that he did, I mean, Paul is just an incredible man of God. He had this uh, Damascus Road experience where he meets the risen Savior and he's blinded as he's on his way to persecute a group of Christians. God radically transforms Paul's life. And then Paul, for the next, literally until the day he dies, will spend the rest of his life traveling around the Middle East and Europe and parts of Africa and Asia, declaring the name of Jesus, literally risking everything. He would be shipwrecked, he would be beaten, he would be in, and he would be eventually killed as an ambassador of Christ. And I wonder how much I risk. I wonder how much I invest into God's kingdom compared to men like Paul. And I desire to be like him. But in that, I am grateful. 
I am grateful that every day I wake up not unclear of what God is calling me to do because whether or not God has given me a specific task that day or not doesn't change the mission that God has placed me on. Every day that I wake up, I can find purpose and hope in the fact that God has said, Chris, go tell someone about me. Chris, go show someone who I am. Chris, go love people the way that I love people. And I wake up every day with purpose renewed in my heart. And so this morning, I am grateful for that. What I love about this passage as well, we see the work of the Holy Spirit, or excuse me, not even just the Holy Spirit, we see the work of the full Trinity. If we think about these three things, this new creation, the new relationship, and the new purpose, what we see in this passage is that God as a whole, not just God the Father, not just God the Son, not just God the Spirit, but all of the facets of God are working in us every single day. God the Father, who we, we look to the Old Testament and we go, he was the one who spoke the universe into existence. He creates new things in me every day. God the Father is active in my life every single day. And, and then we think about this relationship that was restored stored through who? Through the blood of Jesus Christ, the Son, that I am reconciled to God every day through the blood of Jesus Christ. We see the work of the Son in our lives. And then we hear Paul say things like this in chapter 6, verse 2. He says, behold, um, excuse me, uh, verse 1, he says, working together with him. Who do we work together with every single day? It is the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And so we see the work of the full trinity in us, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, actively working in us every single day. And I wonder why when I know that and I believe that in my heart, how I could ever wake up and go, man, I'm just not thankful. How could I ever believe that the God who spoke the stars into being, who loves me, how could I ever wake up on any given day and go, man, I'm just... I just don't think I can handle today. This God isn't some aloof, far off God, but He is active in us, creating and restoring and working with us as we go on mission for Him every single day. This God, I am grateful for. I'm thankful this morning for the work of God in my life. I'm thankful this morning for how he uses me and restores me. But I'm also thankful for the opportunity that I get to stand in this pulpit today. Because as I read the words of this page, as we get into chapter 6 and these opening verses of chapter 6, I get an incredible privilege to do exactly what Paul is saying here. He says, working together with him then, we appeal to you not to receive the grace of God in vain. For he says, in a favorable time I listened to you and in a day of salvation I helped you. Behold, now is the favorable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation, the privilege that I get every Sunday and today especially is that I get to work alongside of the Holy Spirit this morning to proclaim the good news because you may have walked in this room today 
I mean, you may have walked in an unbeliever, somebody who isn't following Jesus, who has not been created new, who has not been restored, and I get the incredible blessing of standing in this pulpit this morning and declaring to you exactly what Paul declared to these people, that there was a man who knew no sin, who became sin so that you could have life. I get the incredible honor and privilege of standing up here this morning declaring to anyone in this room who has never accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, I get the privilege of standing here and saying, God, that, that this God of the universe desires a relationship with you, and he created a way for that to happen. That through the blood of Jesus Christ, God created a path for you to come to him, and there is a new creation waiting on you. I get the incredible privilege and honor of standing here and saying to you that there is a God who loves you, that there is a God who created you, and he is waiting on you, and he desires to be with you, and that there is hope and joy at the foot of the cross. I get the incredible hope and privilege of standing here and saying, man, there is an opportunity. Today is the day of salvation that if you desire that relationship with Christ, he stands here this morning with arms wide open and says to you, I am here. Just come. Just come. I'm here. I desire to have that relationship with you. I've already created the path. All you have to do is choose it. All you have to do is walk it. And there is new creation waiting on you. There is a restored relationship waiting on you. There is purpose and fulfillment in life waiting for you. Because Jesus made a way. And so I want to say to you this morning as we get ready to wrap up our time in God's word this morning, I just want to say to you today, man, that God loves you. And that that God gave up his throne to come and to live 33 years of life to die, to bleed, to be buried, and to rise again so that you and I could have eternal life. And he desires a relationship with you. So this morning, if you walked in this room buried under a heap in a mountain of negativity, if you walked in this morning just distraught and broken over what your life has become, find hope and find gratitude this morning at the foot of the cross. We're going to sing another song together here in just a moment. And it's a song I believe we're singing just as I am. Is that right? Jesus paid it all. Hey, even better. We're going to be singing a song called Jesus Paid It All. It's a but a goodie. As we sing the words of that song, I want you to see them up on the screen and know that Jesus made a way for you. I'm going to be up here at the front, and if you have a desire to come forward and pray with me or talk with me about anything, I'll be here at the front. And Pastor Marshall and Pastor Antonio, if you'll join me on one side or the other, and uh, you just pick a pastor, whoever you want to talk to. If you need to do it in Spanish, Antonio will be right over here. If you want Marshall to pray for you, he's going to be right over here. If you want to pray with me, I'll be dead center. But I want to invite you this morning, if you came in lacking gratitude in your life, as a believer, man, be inspired this morning about all the things that you have to be grateful for. If you walked in this morning unbelieving in Jesus, my prayer is that you won't walk out of these doors the same way. And then here in just a moment, as we wrap up, we're going to go share a meal together. And I hope and I pray that you'll stick around to fellowship and to, uh, to enjoy each other's company together. Let me pray for us this morning.
<clears throat> Father God, we are thankful for the work of the cross. Blood of Jesus, we are thankful for all that you do in our lives. We are thankful that you made a way, God, that you didn't leave us. But Father, this man who knew no sin became sin for me. He took the pain and the punishment that I deserved, and he took it to a cross, and he buried it, Father, that I could be a new creation, restored and reconciled to you with purpose every single day. God, we love you for all that you're going to do in this time. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.